of course. So I want to thank my lovely husband for making me work on Mother's Day. Thank you. <laughs> to bring the word, to labor over the word. Um, opening your Bibles to Mark 6. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in the prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge, say grudge, against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man. And he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed. And yet he heard him gladly. Verse 21. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his noble and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you, up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, for what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came and immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. See, platter. platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oath and his guest, He did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter, see a platter, and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. So a few weeks back, my husband was at worship rehearsal on a Wednesday night. So I was home by myself with the kids I said, let me put the kids to bed. It was around maybe 8 o'clock. I put the kids down. I was like, oh, man, I have an opportunity to myself. I'm going to watch some TV. I'm going to eat some junk food. And then he came home, and it was about like maybe 10.30, and all of a sudden I hear a little no- a noise saying, Dada. <laughs> Dada. And I'm like, I know that's not Claire. She's interrupting my personal time right now. And all I hear, then I hear is, Dada, help me. Help me. And I'm like, oh. Let me go check what this girl wants. So I walk to her room. I open the door, and all the lights are on. She's naked head to toe, nothing on. I look at her. She's covered in my makeup, literally everywhere, everywhere. Let's see. I think I have a picture here to show you guys. She's covered. And what, what actually really annoyed me about that, I gave her a bath prior to bedtime. You see her. Like She has red lipstick on her eyes. Her nose, and it was all over my flo- all over her floor, and everything. She wanted to tell her makeover, but what I didn't realize, you know, every day I put my makeup on. She's watching me, and the power of influence. Even though I don't have to say anything to Claire, she's already following me, and we don't realize sometimes that even though you can be at work or at school, or at home, that people are watching. There's power in your influence on people. And, um, and actually, Claire yesterday got back in my makeup again. If you saw Pastor Angie's Insta story, but this time she went for the, um, the mascara. She just loves, loves, loves makeup. Let's go back to our text. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in the prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife, because he had married her. 
For John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not because for Herod feared John, knowing that he was righteous and a holy man. What I appreciate about John here, John has no problems having the hard conversation. I know for me, when I have friends, I sometimes have to tell them the unpopular thing to do. And my first point is, Popularity never wins. It only inflates our ego. And the fact is, when you have an ego, you're trying to build your self-confidence, you're trying to build your self-image, it only really deflates your divine purpose in God because you start thinking more about people than what God's calling you to do. And I also recognize that it's not worth it to be, um, it's not worth to tell people what they really want versus what they actually need. And because of Herodias not liking John, she got, he got, John got a hater out of her. She wanted him dead. She locked him up, got him dismissed. How many know that you, when you stand for what you believe in, that people are going to hate on you? They're going to talk about you behind your back. They're going to spread rumors. They're going to lock you up. And not by a decision that you made, but you were just out of love because nothing with John. John wants to do what is right. And he cared for Herod and his family. And so we have to recognize, even though when you're doing things in love and truth, there can be some backlash. Yeah. I don't know about you, I've done that. I'd be like, I'm just trying to help you out, especially my kids. Just to help, I'm trying to help you out, bro. Just relax. I have a little prop here. So the verse, the talks it says, it says that Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. I love what the NIV says. It says, Herodias not only had a grudge, but she nursed the grudge and wanted dead. I don't know about you, but I'm a mom, and I nursed all three of my kids. And I can only imagine what nursing means, that she was nourishing that grudge. She was feeding that grudge. And I can imagine, for me, when I had my kids, I had a rocking chair in the room. I could just see her here in her silent, quiet time thinking, why is Johnny trying to get in my business? Like, back up. And I think sometimes what we don't realize is you have two options. You either can starve the thing or continue to nurse the thing. And nursing, when you first start, it's very painful. They don't tell you that, that it's very, very painful when you start nursing. She didn't realize, like, it was painful that she was creating something that was bigger every time she nursed it. And also when you're nursing, there's this thing called the letdown. You have an urge to nurse the baby. And I can just think of it now. She's probably in those quiet moments thinking, I just need to, like, do something to him. What can I do to get him? I want to kill him. I want to do something to him. Point number two, I have break up with the bitterness. Say it with me. Break up with the bitterness. The other thing about grudges, it creates barriers and boundaries. Barriers and boundaries that are created. Unfortunately, what happens again, you cannot walk in the abundance that God has for you because your hands are too full. The thing about nursing is there has to come a day when you have to wean the baby. You have to wean the baby because it's like, baby's getting too big. Um, I I don't know if you've seen a 10-year-old being nursed. It's kind of big, right? It's kind of inappropriate to have a grown child nursing. Um, But there's people out there because they've spent all the time holding on the grudge, holding it. And you know what? When you want to to wean your child, it's actually very painful. 
It's a painful process when you want to um, uh, when you want to wean your child off. And the thing is, nursing is also an amazing experience. You feel amazing. You have this special bond, and that's what sometimes happens. You don't remember life before the grudge. There's a comfort with the grudge that you've developed, a relationship with the grudge that you feel comfortable with because. That's where you've been for so long. You remember in those days, like you're talking to yourself, you're building the case. You kind of, kind of, and when you're building the case, you kind of feel strong. You're like, yeah, John, it's the day for John's coming. John doesn't know the strategy that I have to kill and destroy him. And you kind of feel good about it. But there comes a day when you have to cut off, forgive, and wean that grudge gone if you want more to hold the blessing that God has for you. Also, when you wean your child, there's freedom. Because <laughs> I remember with Claire, Claire wouldn't even take a bottle. Claire was my shadow. Hair getting done, Claire's coming along because I have to nurse her. Going to the movies, Claire's coming along with me. But the day Claire got weaned, I had opportunities that I would never had because of when I was nursing. Even though it was a blessing at one point. But there's freedom when you cut off the thing that you've been holding on to so tightly and nursing and giving it more life. There comes a time you have to say, you know what? I want more for my life. More for that. I don't want to hold on to the thing that I've been holding on for too long. So we have here the opportunities coming up that Herodes has been waiting for this opportunity to get John. It's Herod's birthday. He has a bashment party, brings all the boys down from Galilee. The VIP, the guest list is growing with all the officials there. And their daughter, this is Herod's stepdaughter, remind you, because he took someone else's wife. It's not his blood daughter. And she was young, maybe around 16 or 17 years old, and she's dancing for the men in the room. They say it's pretty, actually, sensual um, dance for her. She's the entertainment. And after the dance is done, Herod's like, she's pleased with the daughter. And you see, there's an opportunity here. He said, you know what? You are so good. You can have whatever you want. And this is exactly what he says. He says to her, ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. Trust me, Mervyn Paul Henry, <laughs> ask me. What do I want? Anything? I'm thinking, I want everything. Like, I just want everything. But at this point, the the daughter's like, you know what? Let me ask a trusted person, my mother. My mother. My mother's going to know what I need. My mother is going to know what I should ask for. So she hastily runs to her mother. And what is her mother's response? The head of John the Baptist. You have to be careful who you lend your ear to. Who's in your circle of influence. Who are you asking? You need to evaluate the people that are coming around that they're going to give you a sound answer. Are they going to give you a response of defeat? Death? Divisiveness? What are they looking for? What is in it for them when they want to respond to you in that situation. Herodias, the mother, had an opportunity to give life, create ambition for her daughter, give her, pretty much tell her anything she wanted in the situation, but she chose to for a dead man's head. And be careful, 
for those. And you know what? Sometimes we put the wrong people at the wrong time in our circle. And I know sometimes what God will do, God will sometimes throw distress your way to help you to get delivered from people. You know the, the biggest thing for deliverance is? It's not even sometimes addiction, sometimes it's people. That's one of the hardest deliverance to get delivered from is people. Because you just want to feel wanted, you want to be valued by people, that's the audience you feel comfortable with. But sometimes God will throw you in a mess, jacked up situation, he's like, I want to be that person. I don't need your BFF, your best friend, or whatever you need. I want to be the go-to person in your situation. Stop looking everywhere for an answer. Stop Googling, come on. <laughs> if our friends are not available, you Google it. And they're, you know, Google's always gonna tell you they're gonna die, right? You know that, right? It's always going to tell you you're going to die. Symptoms, it's always death. It's never positive, ever, because Google does not have your best interest in mind, ever. And God wants you to be the, that person for you. I've learned most times your best moments are at your weakest moments because your prayers in those weakest moments are so sincere. You're like, Jesus, help me. I need help. You're being honest. You're being transparent. There's too many times where we're praying, we're not being real with God. We're like, I need this. Please help me out. And you're like, no, no, no. This situation's bad. I need him. I need him bad. And he wants to be that for you. I remember, I remember when I was in college. Hard time. It was extremely stressful time for me. And I can't even go into the details because it was, like, really hard. I remember thinking that week, you know, I, I want to drop out of school. I actually didn't go to school for five days. I was, like, in this place of I don't think I'm going to make it. I had a lot going on at home. I had a lot going on at, um, in my relationship. I had a lot going on in my education. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to call my mom. I know. If you use the word mom around me or dad, I'm going to cry. So, or husband, because it's very personal. Those are really close to me. And I remember calling home to mom, like, mom, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I can finish school. I don't think I can, I can, I don't think I can handle it. I don't think I can do it. And I said, like, mom, I think I'm going to leave to be a missionary for a year. I want to take a year off and be a missionary. And she was just like, what? <laughs> I'm paying this bill? She was like, no, 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 no. This is not going to happen. <laughs> I called. Don was like, this is not happening. You can cry all you want. She was like, have your moment. Don't go to school for a couple of days, but you're not quitting. Quitting is not an option for you. You have it in you. You're going to settle down and do it. And you need people in your life that will remind you of the call, the goals that you have in those moments of weakness. Who are you lending your ear to in those moments? And at this time, there's an opportunity of a lifetime that a daughter has. Ask me, she, he says, ask me for whatever. Who are you asking when you have the question of a lifetime can also change the destiny of your whole life? Point number three, say sacrifice selfishness. Where we once pursued selfish pleasures, we now pursue passions that pleases God. The life before Christ, it's all about you. And when you get in a place that when you really start pursuing and following God, you're like, God, I want to pursue you. I want to please you. In Galatians, it says, I'm going to say Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It no longer, uh, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave me for me. 
when it comes to God's kingdom and how God works, it's upside down kingdom. When you want to increase, you got to decrease. You got to sacrifice yourself if you want to. You want to. You want a promotion? Make a way for other people. It's not about us. Because in those times when you're making way for other people, you're developing skills, you're becoming humble, so when the opportunity comes of promotion, you're ready for it. It's not getting to your head in those, in those seasons. And God never calls us to kill other people or crucify other people or put people down or put them to death, but he calls us to, to deny ourselves. Versus Herodias, she was like, you know, I'm going to fix this situation. I'm going to put to death. Instead of being not thinking about herself, she thought, you know what? Let me kill the very thing because it's getting in the way of my desires and my plans. I love that we serve a God that changes things um, for us. When we deny or put to death things like depression, God can resurrect and change it to determination. When we deny ourselves... Um, gossip, he can change them, put the good news on our lips. When we deny ourselves of comparison or competition, he can change that into cooperation. Don't we serve a God that's so amazing that he can take and he can recycle our pain and put it into joy for other people and testify later on like how you overcome things? Isn't God so good about that? You want to be in a place that you've been so stripped down of who your selfish desires. So when the opportunity comes for that question, you're not thinking about me. You're thinking of the best interest of the person that came to ask you the question. That's the problem with Herodias. She was not in a healthy place when she responded to her daughter at all. She was thinking about herself. Amen. There are always are casualties when you think about yourself. Because she was selfish, not only was John dead... What she didn't realize after when they, you know, she, they, they go back and the executioner kills um, John, they behead him, she brings back John's head on a platter to the mother. What she didn't realize, she could have been sewing into her own future by the request that she gave. And says what came back to her was a dead head. It could have been so many amazing things that could have come back if she thought about, you know what, instead of thinking about myself, I can think about what can happen to our, our community, our generation. But she stopped a blessing. She stopped a ben- benefits to so many people by being so selfish. We always want to be the hero. But sometimes you just say, you know what, I'm not in a healthy place right now to answer that question. And to me, a Shiro, a Wonder Woman is not a person that just can do everything. To me, a real hero or a Shiro or a Wonder Woman knows when to take off the cape and say, you know what, I need help. I'm not in the place to serve you right now, but I know someone else who can. And Herodias, she would have benefited, even if someone else helped out or answered that question, she would have benefited as well because she was in the community. She was the mother. You know, who wouldn't want to give their mother a, a part of the gift of the opportunity as well? I've been in that place because I want an answer so bad that I'm willing to hear anything. I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to turn to anybody because I just want to feel validated. And I want, to peop- I want people, I feel sorry. When there's an opportunity, I don't want to f- leave anyone out. And so I'm willing to, like, what do you want? Oh, you want, you want the head of John? Sure. Versus that's not really what's in my heart. What, she could, what the mother could have done, she could have reminded her of her own dreams. What she have told her in those nights of when she was home with her. But no, the mother wanted to be selfish. She was thinking about herself at those times. My fourth point is destiny decisions lead to celebration, not destruction. 
something that was supposed to be a celebratory um, event ended up being something that was destructive and devastation. Because imagine um, Jesus' even disciples hearing the word that, what, John's dead? What happened? We just left him. He was just there. And instead of um, them celebrating or him coming out, there was an opportunity. The, uh, the daughter made an opportunity of creating um, a different destiny because of a decision because she listened to her mother. We have the opportunity as people in people's lives to influence them to do greater things. In that platter could have been um, an answer to uh, cancer, spending money for that, paying off people's debts. There's so many things that we can do when we make right decisions and not be influenced by other people. And we have to continue to remember that. How can I think about other people and not just myself? I need to deny myself. And also, you know, there was a similar situation about beheading um, David. David beheaded Goliath, and when he brought back the head of Goliath, what was the response? They were happy because he was fixing an issue, and bringing, he was being a hero versus being selfish. You can have exactly the same situation, beheading something or killing something or putting something to death, but it's what's the purpose, what's the motive behind that? Versus Herodias, you think, you know what, I want to benefit this because I need this because I want revenge in this situation. You have to evaluate when, why you're doing the thing that you're doing. Why are you holding on to the grudge? Who's benefiting from the grudge? A lot of times the people that you're holding grudge to, they're living life. They're not thinking about you at all. They're like, and you, you, you see them on social media, you're like, why are they having so much fun? Like, I'm here crying in my house. I'm upset because they don't think, they don't think about you. They're not thinking, they're thinking about, they've gone on their lives. They've let go whatever they need to let go. And so we have to know when, again, I said to wean off the grudge, let it go, cut it off and forgive. We need to, who we need to forgive. And how many times we've been in that situation that we have an opportune time, a life, a life changing decision. And we ask the wrong people. And we end up being detoured the destiny that God had for us because we listened to the wrong people or we didn't have a voice for ourselves. I think about a couple years ago when my husband and I were living in California and he went to India to uh, preach at an orphanage out there and I was home and I knew that India was going to be life-changing for him. I've been blessed. I've been to Africa. I've been to the Middle East to do uh, missionary work. But I knew when he went, something was going to change. And I remember he, I lived about 30 minutes from uh, work, and he drove me to work. And we were in the car, and he was like, you know, what do you think about moving? And I'm like, moving? You just moved me to California from Michigan, my friends and my family. And we're thinking about moving. He's like, yeah, you know, you can get a job, anything. You have your master's. We can start life somewhere else. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to move. And I was angry, like I was boohooing in the car because I was like, how can you do this to me? Like we've already moved all the way to California. And I remember getting to work, I started work at 7 a.m. in the morning and I got there at 6.50. We had 10 minutes before every morning we, I had a meeting with my boss. In that 10 minutes, I called up my girlfriend, my best friend. I said, Latricia, I can't take my husband right now. <laughs> He's too much of a man of faith. I cannot take him right now. He's talking about potentially moving. He wants to do all this stuff. I can't take it. And I'm like upset. I'm crying. And she said, Chantal, have you thought about moving back home to Toronto? 
She's like, you remember seven years ago, you told me and my husband that you would plant a church one day in Toronto and you would want to move back to your family. I said, I haven't thought about that. She's like, maybe this is the opportunity time that you can relocate your family back home. I said, maybe. And so I called my husband at lunchtime. I said, babe, I talked to Latricia. He's like, what did she have to say? (laughs) I was like, no, she reminded me, remember about home, about Toronto, like, that we one day, we had a dream when we were 23 years old in our, in, our, in our living room that we would come back to Toronto to plant a church. He was like, I hate the snow, though. <laughs> That's the first thing he said to me, I hate snow. But I said, there's purpose waiting for us over there. Within 24 hours, we prayed, we fasted. Sorry. <laughs> we prayed, we fasted. The next evening, we called mom. We called our parents and said, "We're coming back home." We felt like it's time to move back home. And that week later, we um, sorry, we um, we had a journal and we started writing out the prayer list. What do we need to get out of California to come to Toronto? We need a place to live to come back home because we're not from here. We needed to figure out how we're getting our furniture here. We have to sell our sell our stuff. So we wrote a list. We had ten things. And the other thing was on our list. The last thing was like, should we have another baby? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> and I remember three weeks after we made that list, you know, we called home and his parents had a basement apartment available. I'm like, okay, so we have a place to live. We started selling everything, literally. We moved from a house. We moved our whole house to California and we literally sold our bed, our TVs, uh, we sold our, we had, I had brand new couches, I had a brand new kitchen set, I had brand new everything, thinking that this is with the place that we would have been for a long time, and we literally shipped 11 boxes to Toronto, and left everything, and the week, uh, like a week later, I went to Denver for a trip for my girlfriend that uh, was there, and I came back, and guess what, mom was pregnant again, <laughs> and everything on that list Thank you. Everything on that list that we prayed for, God was just showing and revealing to us. But in a place of weakness, in a place of unsurety, I made a phone call to a trusted person that reminded me the dream that I had at 23 years old, that had my best interest. That two years later, I'm standing on the stage. I have a church in Toronto. I have a two-year-old daughter by one call that I made in a weakness that I lend an ear to someone that had the best interest for me, not thinking about herself or something. Herodias could have fought. And you know what now? Guess where I came back? Last night, I was chilling with my, at my girlfriend's woman's event in Michigan that now I only drive six hours to because a phone call that I made, and I, I encourage you, be careful who you lend your ear to. Be careful who you continue to nurse the grudge for. Have people that love you, that want value, that want the best for you. Honestly, every week I stand up here, I am mind blown by one conversation that I had with somebody that I'm here today. And not only, I just said what another story is, I wanted to go back to do my, um, my master's. I have a bachelor's in, um, sorry, I have a bachelor's in, um, in marketing. And I've always believed in higher education. But at the time, I had young children. Um, my kids were one and three. 
at the time, and I was at church. My husband and I had a church plant back in Michigan. I was like, tell my girls, I I want to go back to school, but I can't do it. I can't afford it. I just don't, you know, I owed some money to my, I had a little bit of money that I owed at my previous uh, school, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't release um, the transcript unless you paid the bill. And she was just like, have you called them? I'm like, no. She's like, um, you need to call them. I'm like, no, but I don't know. There's no, call them. How do you know they won't release it? You haven't tried yet. You're smart enough. You know, apply for education. I was, apply for the education. I was like, okay. So a week later, I wrote this little letter like, hey, you know what? I have this amount of money. I'll, this, how much I can afford to pay off? Do you know a week later, they said, um, your, your transcripts are released. I applied for grad school. And my boys, when I graduated, they were three and five. I started when they were one and three. I went to school at nighttime. I only did, I worked a full-time job, full-time. I studied while they were at night. Uh, at they were, while they were napping, I would study and I would go to school at nighttime. And again, at an opportunity, someone reminded me it was possible. And continue to remember that, that when you deny yourself, sacrifice yourself, for other people that God can do the, more than abundance, more than you'd ever think. And I think about Jesus when he was in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the darkest time, he was depressed. He's like, God, why have you forsaken me in that place? But he was thinking about us in that place. He was thinking, you know what? I know that I love these people. I love them. I want the best for them. He could have called angels, like, come down, s- s- save me. But he recognized there's value in um, denying himself because of his denial at the cross. We are all here standing, praising God, loving on people. The church is exploding. Now we have millions of people in the church by one decision that he made. And I go back again. Is popularity never wins. It only inflates our ego. Number two, Break up with bitterness. The root of bitterness is not helping anybody. And number three, sacrifice your selfishness. Think about other people. In that place, I I trust you. When you serve others, God creates more margin, more platform for you than you would ever think of. Trust him with the little that you have. And lastly, destiny decisions lead to celebration not destruction.